It is Tuesday, the 29th of October, and this is the Monocle Minute. Today, California steps up the fight against wildfires. On Sunday, California Governor Gavin Newsom uh, declared a state of emergency as uh, wildfires spread across the state and forced hundreds of thousands uh, to flee their homes. Also ahead, how the results of Colombia's local elections will shape the country's future. Why the health of President Rodrigo Duterte is raising concerns in the Philippines and why you should not ignore the success of the left in Germany's eastern state of Thuringia. I am Marcus Hippie in London. The Monocle Minute starts now. In California, the fight against wildfires intensifies. Carlotta Rebello is Monaco's acting bureau chief in Los Angeles. Carlotta, can you tell us about the scale of disruption California is facing now? Hi, Marcus. Yes, uh, so uh, on Sunday, California Governor Gavin Newsom uh, declared a state of emergency as uh, wildfires spread across the state and forced hundreds of thousands uh, to flee their homes. Uh, so far, authorities have ordered over 180,000 people to evacuate the Sonoma County area. Now this sits just north of San Francisco and it's where the most intense fight against the fire is going on. We're talking about more than 1,000 firefighters working uh, in the region to try and contain uh, the spread of these wildfires. Millions of Californians have had their power cut as firefighters continue to battle a surge in wildfires and there has been warnings of further outages. Carlotta, why is turning off power deemed necessary? Yeah, so this is coming because of the Pacific Gas and Electric provider. This is the third time in a month that they have shut off power to customers. And this has been done in a preemptive way in hopes of stopping their equipment from starting more wildfires. As we know, as the weather becomes drier and uh, heat rises, there is a bigger chance for short circuits, electrical short circuits, for that to be enough to spark wildfires in some of the more remote areas. So the Pacific Gas and Electric has been doing this to try to avoid these fires to become any bigger and uh, as of at least Sunday evening it was expected that as many as 2.7 million people around the Bay Area were to be set to be without power uh, and blackouts that could last for days. Uh, it's not clear yet uh, how long it would last. We had a blackout again um, last week and that lasted for two to three days until all homes uh, were restored. And of course, uh, this, uh, these outages uh, have um, been criticized by officials. Uh, they claim that um, uh, PG&E hasn't been uh, communicating properly and uh, the fact that it has been quite uh, imprecise and just decided to shut down the power in a huge area is harmful for customers as well. How much can California expect support from Washington considering that Donald Trump suggested last year that California should start raking forests in order to prevent further fires? The state of California uh, has been at odds uh, with uh, Donald Trump's uh, White House and administration pretty much since the beginning. Even California's Attorney General Javier Becerra has filed around like 60 lawsuits against the Trump administration and this is of course to a range of issues. So when it comes to the issue of wildfires, and despite the fact that this is a, a US state that has declared a state of emergency, we cannot expect any support from federal government any more than what they are required 
required to do by law. Now, every time that a wildfire of this dimension uh, happens within the state, the response is pretty quick. I'm talking in, within the state in terms of officials, be it from city halls to a federal level. The response is very positive and people tend to do as much as they can to help. Sadly, we cannot say the same for a federal level. So I guess for this time around, California is on its own once again. Carlotta Rebello, thank you very much. Colombia has just voted in local elections. Monaco's Bogota correspondent Anastasia Maloney looks at what the result means for the future of the country. Colombians went to the polls on Sunday to choose the next governors, mayors and city councillors. As usual, it was a big turnout, more than 50% of the 35 million Colombians who are eligible turned out for the polls. And there were a big shock for the ruling right-wing Centre Democratic Party. So that was bad news for Colombia's president. His party did not do well in these local elections. And in fact, Colombia's two big cities, the capital Bogota and the second city Medellin, they actually chose left-wing mayors. In Bogota, that's not such a surprise because in Bogota, generally, Bogotanos choose a left-wing candidate. But in Medellin, this is a bastion of conservative right-wing politics, especially from the ruling party. And for them not to have their mayoral candidate in place is a real bitter blow for them. The president, Ivan Duque, is going to have to analyse the election results and realise or understand why he did so badly. And some are saying that could mean that he might make changes to the cabinet. He might change his uh, speech, perhaps become a bit more decisive and uh, aggressive. He's been at the moment known for quite a conciliatory tone. People think that he should take much more leadership. So uh, some analysts are suggesting that he might change his tactics and become a much more forceful uh, leader with a stronger message or indeed make some changes to his cabinet and minister positions. But he certainly needs to make some changes if he's going to regain any sort of popularity. He was very unpopular before the election started with about 30% approval rating. And these elections are showing that basically people are not happy with his government and his political party that he represents. So Colombia made history on Sunday by electing the first female mayor of Bogota. That's a really big deal because the mayor of Bogota post is considered to be the second most important position after the presidency. It's often considered to be a platform for the presidency in the future. And the fact that a woman is now in charge of the city of 8 million is historic. It's also historic, her election of Claudia Lopez, because she is an openly lesbian candidate. She, in fact, one of her first Twitters after the her win was a kiss with her wife. She's an openly gay candidate, even though, however, her campaign trail wasn't about LGBT rights issues. She's very much as someone who stands for all Colombians. But it is significant that um, she is openly gay and that Colombians did not consider her sexuality to be an issue in these elections and voted in uh, Claudia Lopez as the first openly gay woman mayor of Bogota. To the Philippines next, where the health of the country's leader is raising concerns. President Rodrigo Duterte's health is once again the talk of the town in Manila and beyond. The self-styled strongman leader had to return early from the enthronement of Japan's new emperor last week, citing unbearable pain from an earlier motorcycle accident. 
The 74-year-old's latest ill term comes in the same month that he disclosed the latest in a growing list of ailments. Duterte's health is closely watched in political circles. Should he be unable to serve, the vice president would have to step in. Opposition politician Lenny Robredo won the directly elected contest in 2016, but her victory is still being challenged by Senator Bongbong Marcos, son of the late dictator and Duterte's preferred candidate. Duterte is thought to be hanging on until he can hand over power to Marcos. However, a recently announced recount went in Robredo's favour. The election saga and Duterte stumble on. Finally today, Monaco Safira said to Chris Sermak on a German example of why centrism in politics is not dead. It seems everywhere you look these days there's a story about the rise of the far right. The latest example is Germany's eastern state of Thuringia, where over the weekend a hopelessly divided electorate delivered a result that will tie regional politicians up in coalition negotiations for weeks. Top billing went to the post-communist party of the left, but second place went to the far-right alternative for Germany, which more than doubled its support. Meanwhile, Germany's better-known centrist parties are licking their wounds. And yet, while much of the media has focused on the death of the center and worrying surge of the AFD, you should look elsewhere for a more intriguing lesson about what's happened. Germany's left party has long been on the fringes of national politics, but its success in Thuringia, this is the second time in five years that it has claimed the top spot, is not because the state has lurched to the left. In fact, Thuringia's state premier, Bodo Ramelow, has won about a third of the electorate by moving his party to the center. He's done so by showing that the left is ready to govern maturely, not by pandering to the electorate's fears. Ramelow's success suggests that centrism is not dead. It's more the case that voters' support is fluid. The electorate will back a party that has credible leaders who are able to govern and, crucially, to compromise. Perhaps that, rather than the creeping rise of the far right, could serve as the hopeful lesson behind this latest election result. Monaco's Chris Sermak there looking at the election results in the German state of Thuringia. That's all in today's programme. You can read and subscribe to our daily email bulletin at our website monocle.com. I am Markus Hippi. The Monocle Minute returns on Wednesday. <laughs>